We give you our first impressions on the 2019 all-electric Jaguar I-PACE, talk about the automotive news coming out of the CES show in Las Vegas, and answer your questions next on Talking Cars. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. I'm John Linkove. I'm Gabe Shanhar. And I'm Jennifer Stockberger. And there's a lot of news coming out of the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas this week, or CES. Uh, it's usually a show that has shown electric toasters that will talk to your refrigerator and your doorbell, and you know when the Amazon guy's coming and he tells you on your TV. But it's actually become an automotive show of sorts where products from the future are <laughs> unveiled. It's not stuff you're going to find in your dealership. Um, and there's a couple really interesting things. First off, Jen, um, Valio, Valio uh, an automotive supplier, they showed a really cool feature for towing, but I know you, as, as someone who carries horse trailers and then your husband trailers a lot, you had some thoughts on this. Right, so, so this is essentially a camera mounted on the rear of the trailer, which then projects an image on the dash in front of you. Like on a little screen, Right, yeah. which shows you what's behind the trailer, in a sense almost making as if the trailer's invisible. Yeah, it kind of blends images from the back right. of the... Of transparent. The, back of yeah, the car, yeah, transparent. Back of the car, yeah. Right, so um, my thoughts on this were initially like, well, that's kind of cool. But when we talk about towing, um, I think the biggest thing when you're towing is being super cognizant that that trailer is behind you. Whether you're passing, merging, making a corner. I tell this great story. We have a low like landscape trailer that my husband was towing behind his pickup truck. And because it was low and he didn't have a load on it, he literally forgot the trailer was there. Luckily, just in our driveway, Oops. he goes yeah. to back up, jackknifes the trailer into the bed of the truck, punches a big hole in the bed of the truck because he, he just forgot it was there. To me, cool for for backing up when you're very aware yep. or making that merge but i'm i'm a little concerned that it takes away that super hyper awareness that you've got a trailer i could see you. it in a in a sense of like if, if it's hard with the mirror if yeah. you just don't have an extended mirror or you haven't set your mirror properly it gives you that little bit of visibility like yes. oh someone's sneaking up yeah but yeah it, it 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 takes away a little bit of attentiveness we talked about maybe when you go into reverse, then show the right, image. Right, 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 like right. Like we do a, a backup camera in a car. But yeah, interesting, but a little leery. Well, you know, it's got a screen up front, mm -hmm. and a company, uh, Byton, showed a, <laughs> a, a second generation of their EV there. And, um, well, you know, take a look at the image. You can see it's almost all screen, right, Gabe? And, but there's more to that, I think. Yeah, well, I'm not going to chat up a storm about a car that uh, who knows when it's going to be here, when and how it's going to be produced, and uh, if ever. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's uh, nowadays you got to be electric. Yeah, I got to have a screen. You got to be autonomous. Otherwise, you don't get any attention. So yeah, <laughs> yeah it's the second yeah. gen of this this um, concept. The M bite. And it's, yeah, they call it the M bite. Yeah. You know, so it's got screens in the headrest. It's got a 49-inch screen in the front. It's even got a screen in the steering wheel, and they added one down here. So it's at, at this point, it's kind of vaporware, but we are taking, you know, paying attention to it because they claim it's an EV and it'll be in production later this year. And and it's it's not just like you say, it's a screen. The yeah. entire dash is a screen, and you know they say, oh, they've recessed it, so it's not distracting. I mean, I think of even when you have your phone in the car and it blinks in a message, you, you tend yeah. to look at it. If that screen's changing contrast or anything, 
right there in front of you and that size, I would be very concerned yeah, and what do you about need the about, level of distraction. What do you need at the screen need over, over here when you're right. driving a car? So Right. Well, you know, I mean, so that, that's a great transition because for a while the German auto, manu auto manufacturers were like high on diesel, 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 but now you're hearing all about their electric vehicles. And Mercedes-Benz gave us more information on the EQC. So Gabe, one minute, what is the EQC? <laughs> Okay, so uh, you're right. Uh, Tesla basically gave the Germans and everybody else a wake-up call. Uh, here's an electric car that's uh, sexy and desirable and usable in, uh, on a daily basis. And so all the Germans are starting to, uh, <clears throat> and, and others as well, start in the luxury uh, arena, are starting to introduce uh, a vehicle, an electric vehicle or even a line of electric vehicles. So the Mercedes... Uh, is uh, basically um, a version of the uh, GLC SUV, a compact luxury SUV, and uh, it's fully electric, 80 kilowatt hour of uh, battery, uh, range is about 200 miles. And, uh, you know, it's going to be here in 2020, uh, they say. So one thing, the European cycle for measuring is different than in the uh, EPA, correct? Right. So, so you're going to uh, see some people are going to see some numbers out there like, well, no, 259 is the estimate. Right. But it's because of that? Yes, because uh, the Mercedes was measured uh, according to the NEDC, the uh, New European Driving Cycle, which is notoriously very optimistic. Um, since uh, it's, it's been changed to a WLTP world uh, something <laughs> okay. um, cycle, which is, which, is more, which is more realistic, supposedly. But uh, anyway, we, the EPA will probably be a, a lesser range. Okay. That's still competitive. Still competitive, but right. just want to make yeah. sure you know people right. don't think that you know well, what's going on. Why are you saying two hundred? Right. Now again, transition to something similar. A car we just took delivery of, the Jaguar I Pace. And mm -hmm. now we've we've each had the opportunity to drive this fully electric vehicle from Jaguar. Um, you know, Gabe's got a big battery. It's got some Tesla challenging range, possibly. Oh, you you bet. Um, yeah, this is uh, now you're seeing uh, all kinds of manufacturers that are flanking. Tesla and uh, are saying, uh, hey, I mean, we're not going to just uh, sit idly by and see all, uh, all our customers being siphoned off to uh, Tesla. Sure. So uh, Jaguar actually is the uh, early bird of uh, those uh, right, right. cars I just mentioned uh, a minute ago. And uh, the I-Pace is uh, it's, uh, kind of like a tall hatchback, uh, or maybe even uh, it might be even perceived as an SUV. And Dare we say Model X-ish? Uh, I think yeah. so. Um, I think so. It, I'm not on that. And uh, <laughs> anyway, it has a 90 kilowatt hour uh, battery, a large battery, with uh, a range uh, that's pegged by the EPA to be 234 Miles, uh, pretty usable. Yeah, very um, usable. Yeah, I mean, it takes about uh, 12, 13 hours to charge from empty. So we've all driven, like I said, mm -hmm. Jen, you had it last night. Yep. What What are your first impressions on it? It's a, it's a pretty luxurious vehicle. Yes, so that was by, so I, I've kind of like tiered out these cars that are super expensive, do, you know, very technologically, you know, the big stuff. It certainly drives beautifully, has good ride comfort. You know, it's very responsive handling, great smooth power. So that big stuff, it, it absolutely does very, very well. It's super. Now we come down to kind of the niceties. It's very stylish. You know, the the high school drop off actually drew some looks this morning of what is that? You know, they may were interested because so. they're all jaded from all the cars you normally yes, drive they, anyway. They, so. You know, I went from the the bright green Rogue Sport the yesterday to the 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 I Pace yes. last night. So 
very luxurious interior. You you absolutely feel like, oh, I'm I'm in a luxury car. I've spent eighty six thousand dollars, and I feel like I've spent eighty six thousand dollars. And then I'm kind of at the the little. Do, does this car frustrate me, or does it make my life easier? Mm -hmm. Certainly, that's the appeal to me of the electrics is not having to stop for fuel. That makes your life easier. Sometimes the controls in some of these cars can change that for me. There's some goofiness. There's one knob that does the fan and the temperature and the seat heaters, depending on where you push and pull. Mm -hmm. It's a bit distracting because you have to look to see what mode you're in as, as opposed to a hard button. I will say that the I-Pace absolutely has more hard controls, easier to operate stuff than a Model 3. Right, right, right. So I liked that. But the, it, and dual screens, so you have to get used to that. Um, but a very nice car, and I do think it'll be competitive. And we were able to get it. I bought the car, and um, it was probably almost a five-month or six-month gestation period, if you will. You know, putting the order in, and then waiting, and then the, the, oh, well, it's delayed, and then, oh, it's at the port, and then, oh, they're getting software updates at the port and such. Obviously, Jaguar wants to launch it properly. Right. There was a lot of long lead media getting people all hyped about it, and then there was a, a, a lack of information on it coming out. So it's really cool that we have it, and I like I liked it a lot. I yeah. thought it gives you a better feeling for the money than than, than some of the Tesla products we've seen. Um, yeah, um, as far as quality of materials and the, the luxury experience, experience. Um, plus it's giving it's not as a, like it has a hundred mile range, but it's loaded with luxury, and you see where they spent the money. Like it's got luxury and potential for range. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about it, and it's a, it's a very cleverly designed car. I mean, it has a long wheelbase, very short uh, overhangs, right, right. so it utilizes interior space very well. Even though it's it has the length of a Tesla Model Three, mm -hmm. but it has more room than a Model S, yeah. and uh, and rivals a Model X. And uh, it also, if you look at it from a side profile, it's uh, it's kind of like a cab forward, which was a design <laughs> yeah. that was uh, right. kind of in in the 90s. Exactly. Uh, you look Short at the, the 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 A pillars, the front roof pillars almost meet the uh, the wheel arches. Yep. So it's very uh, very unique and very different than a, a, than a classic Jaguar. A classic Jaguar usually has a very pronounced right. snout to right. it. Right. Right. Uh, but I agree with Jen. I mean, it's a dream to drive yeah, nice i mean country. it's such a treat i it's, mean the, the handling the ride the, how mm -hmm. quiet it is and it goes just like it's well, so insulated quiet that you so, hear other things well right? i was gonna say yeah. so well insulated <laughs> that you're not hearing necessarily the road and wind noise no. that you hear in other electrics mm -hmm. you know like well there's obviously no powertrain right. conventional powertrain so you know you would hear a lot of the road thrum tire tire thrum um but no but it's, as, it's insulated very yeah. well but as to uh making your life easier um I mean, it's uh, it, it. You have to contend with the limitations of an electric car, long yeah. charging times, right. and uh, limited range still. Well, I'm taking a, a trip, and I was going to offer. I could put, you know, I could put a couple hundred miles on this thing. But whereas a Tesla, you know that there's charging stations along the way. Right. Yes. I, I don't know exactly where I would charge this, particularly in the winter. Exactly. You know, I know yeah, Dave that's... had a problem with one of the electrics we took where he was he was coasting into the charging station in the winter. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't want to be like that in, uh, on a trip. So yeah. more to come on the iPace as we put miles on it. But the one big question, and I'll, I'll throw it out to the table here, should Tesla be worried? Uh, <laughs> you know, is is it... Is, is this the first of many assaults, like you said, you know, kind of going around? Tesla should definitely be worried, uh, even though Tesla is the, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the, the hip thing and the in thing, and it uh, has got gathered the whole cult following sure. around it. 
Um, but taken together, all these uh, manufacturers that are coming in, the, the Porsche Taycan, the uh, Audi e-tron, right, right. Um, to name a few, uh, they're definitely going to appeal to the same kind of customers that uh, Tesla has. And maybe uh, there are going to be some people who had Tesla and got, have gotten it out of their system and uh, mm-hmm. are ready to try something else. Sure, sure. I mean, Jen, you know, it's, it's uh, one of the things we talked about. Did Tesla actually do market research for some of these, these companies? Yes. I mean, it, how, how great for Jaguar or whoever to just sit back and see if the market's going to sustain these cars. Apparently it is. Yeah. So, and, and like Gabe says, it's not a Tesla, but it's got a lot of the advantages of the Tesla. And so it'll be interesting to see if it holds its own. Yeah. And, and Jaguar reliability has not been perfect. So there's a lot going on there. So yeah, certainly, so certainly we'll have yeah. to see. Yeah, they're the f- first in the water, so to speak, right. you know, to, to take them on. We're going to be putting typical miles on it. It might be a little, little slower given the, <laughs> the charging times, but there'll be more on consumerreports.org uh, that, that you can read about the, the, mod- the Jaguar I-Pace, excuse me, as, uh, as we, we go down the line for full testing. Um, at that point, brings us to our questions, probably one of the, one of the favorite parts yeah. of the show. We love the questions. We love the written questions. We love your video questions. Make sure you keep sending them to us, talkingcars at iCloud.com. Um, send them on because this gives us a, a ton of fodder to, to help you guys out with, uh, with the questions you have. So first one up is from Tobias. He says, electric cars will be the future, but a battery's useful life is eight to 10 years before they wear out or become obsolete. Knowing this, what do you think the car market will become? Will there even be one? Thanks. So, Gabe, we we actually saw good numbers testing a ten-year-old Prius um, with with its performance. What do you think? Um, okay. Yeah, with the Prius, uh, remember that's a different battery. It's a nickel-metal hydride mm-hmm. ba- battery. It doesn't have the energy density that lithium-ion batteries have. So it, it's more stable. It doesn't uh, it doesn't perform as well, and it uh, and a hybrid, of course, doesn't have the demands that uh, a true EV has. Uh, so yeah, we've seen uh, you know, Prius uh, with the 400,000 miles, a 10-year-old, and there was hardly any drop in performance right. uh, in, in acceleration or fuel economy. Um, but can you, can you replace the lithium-ion? You know, is uh, you, is you, something like a You can uh, either replace uh, a lithium-ion battery or you can, you can replace individual cells in a lithium-ion battery. And, uh, and manufacturers are set up for that. Uh, also, I mean, you have to remember, uh, I mean, you can have a 200,000-mile conventional car, and you might need to replace an engine or a transmission. That's a pretty big-ticket item. Right. And you can't guarantee that that car is going to have the same performance that it had when it was brand new as well. So there might be a degradation in the battery performance, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, but I think the market will stay. I think that, that like I say, it offers some ease, convenience, mm-hmm. as long as you have your infrastructure and you're charging at home, however you're going to work it. And I do think there will be a market. And it will be, you know, he says, what do you think the car market will become? Will there be one? It will be a car market, but there will be an electric component to it for sure. Yeah, the, the way the, the market is going to shape up is uh, there's going to be a niche of electric mm-hmm. vehicles uh, and uh, partially electric vehicles in the form of plug-in hybrids and hybrids. But uh, don't count the uh, in conventional the, uh, IC engine yep, out yet, yep. internal combustion yeah. engine. Uh, it's still going to be around for the foreseeable future. It's super efficient in what it's, it's in producing power. Uh, there, there is something to be said for getting 500 miles of range 
garbage and then filling it up at a gas station that's available everywhere in five minutes. Exactly, exactly. I do think there's a desire. Myself, I see it in our kids of taking care of the earth, getting away from the fossil fuel dependency. I do think, and they will pay for that. I I do think that's part of it. Yeah, it's a generational shift. It is. Yeah, I I think, well, as as much as I'm upbeat about moving away from uh, fossil fuels, uh, but... Usually with products, when you pay more, you get something more. And with electric vehicles, I mean, let's be honest here. You pay more, but you get less range and you get a longer time to replenish that range. So you're asking the consumer to actually pay more to get less. And that's, uh, that's something to, to, to acknowledge. I think that depends on how you use it. Like if you're a commuter... Right. I do think you do get more. So I, I think, I, but I think they'll stay. Yeah, yeah. Depending, There's going to be a different, on the different solution for every need, Correct. different tool for every need. Correct. So that brings us to another question from Steve W. He asks, on your last episode, the discussion about tire performance raised an issue I don't hear much about. Did you look at puncture resistance for the worn down tires you tested? Also, do tire sealant kits actually work? And do you have to periodically replace the sealant? Thanks. Jen, we've talked about this really recently, I think, so... Right. We, we did just a recent, recent content piece on are you ready for a flat and the different ways that now, rather than just putting a spare on. So first, to answer Steve's first question, no, we did not look at puncture resistance. But it makes sense that depending on what the puncturing item is, mm-hmm. when you have less tread depth the tread may be able to take a small screw or something up without getting into the carcass, the less hmm. tread, the less ability to do that. Okay, so thicker it tread block, thicker block. Okay. Right. It may go through. So that makes sense. Sealant kits, fix a flat cans, all of that. And just give us a quick explanation of what they do. Right. So sealant kits, it's a combination of kind of a, a goo that goes into the tire's internals combined with a small compressor. So it fills a puncture in the tread only. Mm. So that's the first limitation so not of those. The sidewall. If you have anything in the sidewall or if the puncture in the tread is large, they're not going to hold the air. So they are replacing in many vehicles the spare tire. So that would be my first advice is know what you have. Do you have a spare? Do you have a run flat and you have nothing? Do you have a sealant kit? Mm-hmm. So don't take for granted that there's a spare tire in your new car anymore. The uh, so they will again Small punctures, they are a temporary fix. They are not meant to just keep running. Um, what we found in terms of differences with them is the compressors were the differentiator oh, okay. in how quickly they could inflate the tire. They all worked. They all sealed small punctures in the tread. Is the tire useless after that because it has all the goo inside of it? Are so you-, you will actually pay sometimes. Shops don't like to re- dismount and mount. Um, most of them say they are compatible with the tire pressure monitoring sensors, because now you're putting goo into all of that. Those are usually closed units, yep. so you're okay. Um, but you may pay a premium for them to mount and dismount, because they can be messy. Look for ones that are water-soluble, so that's a little easier cleanup. Fix-a-flat cans, they, they do do the same thing. The deficiency of those is that they don't inflate the tire all the way. Mm. Even a whole can may only get you halfway to inflate it if you're fully flat. So it's great to get so, to an exit if you yes, can or yes, something like that. Yeah. Um, and then ultimately, if you have a sidewall damage or anything like that, you're going to have to get roadside assistance if you don't have a spare. So, yeah. And, oh, to truly answer And Steve's there's more, question, but wait. The, the goos do expire. 
So to specifically answer his question, they do expire. You ever go to use like an old bottle of glue and it's hardened in right, there? Right. They will do the same thing. They have expiration dates. Yes, you do need to replace them. You know, so some advice that we've, we've had, because we bought cars that all of a sudden, oh, there's no spare tire, yep. you know, is ask the dealer. You could always buy an extra one, right, Gabe? Yes, you can. Um, for instance, uh, with BMWs, I know you can uh, uh, opt for uh, a spare. It takes some trunk space. Right, so right. there is yeah. a price to be paid here. Yeah, I mean, some of them, they use the space where its spare tire was for a subwoofer now, you know, and all of a sudden you're stuck right. without being able to put it anywhere, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of customers are going to be surprised to see, hey, I don't have a spare. Yeah, I think some advice is don't run out of the dealership. As much as you want to leave, get on the road and, not, you know, you've right. already kind of been beaten over the head, so to speak, and <laughs> with the financing and the warranty and all this stuff, Take time to go through and make sure you know you understand the car and that you know what comes with it. Right, right. know what you have, yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. So finally, brings us to a question from Drew. I'm a new subscriber to the YouTube channel and I enjoy talking cars. I was wondering if I could have your opinion on my next vehicle purchase. I live in Connecticut and my job doesn't close when it snows. I'm also a dad-to-be, so I like a safe, reliable vehicle. My commute is 30 miles round trip and I don't take any highways. I have two vehicles in mind, a newer Subaru Outback or a newer Toyota Highlander. What are your thoughts and should I consider a different vehicle? Thank you. So I'm, I'm going to jump off first. Um, don't believe the three-row hype for new families. We, my family did that. My wife wanted a three-row SUV. We have an Acura MDX we bought, and two-row vehicle would have been perfectly fine. We don't use a third row much. Because of that, I'd suggest the Outback. I'd suggest a 2015 Toyota Venza maybe, around 15 to 20,000. Um, maybe a Toyota Prius V with snow tires, same price. Um, maybe even a Hyundai Santa Fe Sport. Jen? Yeah, so, so my vote with those two would be to the Highlander, just because, and I'll go, um, rear-facing child seats do mm -hmm. fit a little better in the Highlander. It's a little wider than the Outback. Um, all the standard safety, an edge in reliability. Oh, they're both great, don't get me wrong, yeah. but there is an edge to the Toyota. To your point, not sure you need the Highlander. The RAV4 might be plenty with all those same advantages. Right. It's pretty roomy. The new one we have here, I haven't, you know, haven't tested yet, but looks pretty roomy. Um, so that's what I would say. Outback or RAV4, um, leaning towards the RAV4. Uh, it looks like we needed uh, a longer discussion with this guy. He lives in Connecticut, so he might as well just Maybe come by and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we can discuss it over pizza or something. We've got a you whole know? parking lot. Just take your pick. Anyway, try him out. Um, uh, you can't go wrong with either the Highlander or the Outback, but, you know, uh, and he doesn't mention any... Um, any type of uh, budget here right, right so we don't know new or used and uh we don't know what the what he's driving now what he likes about it what he doesn't like about it so he, he said new newer so that's, that's uh, yeah yeah what if you like driving maybe you're gonna want a mazda cx9 or something uh that's a little more less uh generic than highland true true you're not going to see as many of them on the road. Yeah. So, All right, so we have some Mazas, some Toyotas. And for Drew, he is the classic example. Work doesn't close, secondary roads, not mm -hmm. highway. Drew, whatever you pick, winter tires would be a great thing for you driving through the snow. Yeah, true. absolutely. True. Though we've had rain every winter now, it <laughs> not seems Not yet like. in Connecticut, but yeah. So, yeah, some, some good tires for winter tires. When it does snow. <laughs> and then when it's not snowing, good all seasons. Right. Make sure they have good all seasons. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Keep in mind that next week, we're going to be coming to you from the Detroit Auto Show, so be sure to tune in. Send all your questions to talkingcars at iCloud.com, and check out the show notes for what we talked about. 
Thanks for watching and see you next time.